Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, episode 49 for the love of the game. Let's get it going. Welcome back, everyone. Episode 49 for the love of the game uh, with your boy uh, ATH back behind the mic, back in the studio. Lots to discuss tonight. As you just heard in the song, we have a lot of trophies that we need to hand out since last episode. A lot of news, a lot going on in in sports. So uh, shall we jump right in? I I, I think we shall. Congrats to the St. Louis Blues for winning their first ever Stanley Cup championship after losing Game 6 at home to the Boston Bruins. And I gotta say, I was nervous as a hater of 98% things Boston that the Bruins were going to come back at home in Game 7 and get it done. But nope. Uh, to quote a great man, that's justice. That's a win. That's right. That is indeed justice, and that is a win. Don't you just hate to see a Boston team choking at home in a Game 7? Actually, no, you love to see it. So kudos to the Blues uh, and someone in St. Louis. Make sure that Brett Hull right now, uh, St. Louis Blues legend, currently isn't driving anywhere for a bit because he's on quite a bender. And let Boris dance. Shout out to Rafael Nadal for winning his 12th French Open. He's only lost lost twice in his career at Rolling Garros. That would be like if Mariano Rivera had like a .05 ERA at Yankee Stadium alone. I mean, it's the most dominant an athlete has ever been in one single venue ever. I mean, just unreal. Who knows how much longer he can get this go keep this going, but, you know, Nadal at the French is as safe a bet as there ever is in sports history. Uh, And finally, the reason for tonight's song choice, Trophies by Drake, big ups to the Toronto Raptors, and of course, Drake, on winning their first ever NBA title. What a series it was, and there is so much to cover and analyze uh, with this NBA Finals, so let's get started with this. First off, while it really sucks to talk about, uh, you can't talk about these NBA Finals without mentioning the injuries. It sucks that KD tore his Achilles in Game 5 after uh, coming back from missing uh, a bunch of games really stinks. It also sucks that Klay Thompson, who's also a free agent to be at uh, the end of this season in this offseason, tore his ACL in Game 6. I will say, this shouldn't cheapen what the Raptors accomplished. There is no such thing as a title with an asterisk on it. And that is why, if you're a team that's close to winning a title, 
you better shoot your shot and go in because you never know what's going to happen. You know, injuries happen, strange things happen, and Toronto did that and earned this one, you know, to the fullest. But you just can't gloss over the injuries, and this will rear its uh, head when we speak about uh, the coming offseason and what's to come. Kawhi Leonard. Well, what more can we say about this guy that hasn't been said already? Uh, what a run he's been on. For the playoffs, Kawhi averaged 30.5 points a game, 9.1 rebounds a game, and just about four assists a game, and almost shot 50-40-90 in terms of shooting splits. I mean, what a run. He's got the throne right now as the league's best player. I think that's pretty undisputed. Uh, this was some Michael Jordan-type stuff. He's become the third player to win finals MVP for two different teams, along with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron James, which is a pretty good list. Pretty good list right there. Kawhi had help in these finals, though. Pascal Siakam did lead the Raptors in scoring twice in the finals. Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka had a few really nice moments. Fred Van Vliet was awesome in the finals, playing great defense on Steph Curry all season. I should say all series. He shot 40% from three and made a few huge shots in game six in the fourth quarter. Hit five threes in that game for the Raptors. What a series from him. And lastly, Kyle Lowry, the much maligned Kyle Lowry, who everybody likes to crap on for his play. And sometimes he becomes a no-show offensively. And there's good reason to crap on him like that because if you're an all-star, you can't really, or I should say, you shouldn't be able to no-show offensively the way he does sometimes, especially in big games. But in the biggest stage, he set the tone early in Game 6, came out of the gates, and was absolutely sensational in that fourth quarter, setting the tone for the rest of the game. He, you know, tallied 27 points, 10 assists, 7 rebounds, and was a plus 16 in terms of plus-minus. And he had a huge bucket late in the fourth quarter with the shot clock winding down. That pull-up jumper going left that took a tremendously uh, fortuitous bounce. Um a great game from him. You know, in in his biggest game, a great game from him. And right now, because of that, his career arc and how we talk about him is completely different. He can no longer be labeled as a choker. If you play your best in the biggest game of your life and you win a title, you can't really be called a choke artist anymore. So kudos to the Raptors, uh, a very worthy champion. A tough no-nonsense team. What a series and what a season it was as we um, sort of put a wrap on this season and head into free agency and the NBA draft coming Thursday night. One last thing on the Raptors and what their GM, Masai Ujiri, was able to pull off. Ujiri knew the Lowry-DeRozan Corps wasn't going to win. He also did a great job of staggering Toronto's contract. So even if Kawhi left after one season, the Raptors had Serge Ibaka's contract and Kyle Lowry's contract coming off the books because they would be expiring deals next season so they could easily get off that money. Uh, he nailed late first-round picks in Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, who's going to be a nice player, even though he was hurt uh, with the appendectomy, uh, recovering from that during this postseason. And he signed Fred Van Vliet to a great contract. Fred Van Vliet, this guy who went undrafted, you know, a diamond in the rough, that, that was awesome by him. So they were in position to pivot, and as a result, they were in position to take a risk on Kawhi Leonard, a top-five player who only played nine games last year. They were able to deal a guy in DeMar DeRozan who's a really good player, 
a beloved player, but they were able to take that risk for Kawhi, and that risk came up aces. A couple of thoughts on the Golden State Warriors real quick. The injuries were a killer, not just for the series, but what their plans are going to be in free agency with Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant. Klay Thompson, man, that guy is great, and he is tough and just awesome. He's the most malleable, low-maintenance star in the league. He comes up huge in big moments. I mean, see the shot he hit and the last defensive possession in Game 5. His Game 6 heroics before he got hurt, shooting the free throws and sinking them like it was nothing after he tore his ACL. The guy was hopping around. He wanted to come back in. I mean, kudos to them for holding him out. I mean, that guy is a foxhole guy. He's just great. Give me Klay Thompson over Kyrie Irving or James Harden any day of the week. And, yeah, that's to start a team, too. You're right. I said it. I'm on record. Klay Thompson is a top 10 player in this league. I truly believe he will come back from his ACL injury and be just fine. I love me some Klay Thompson. Now, this Warriors team is one of the most mentally tough teams this league has ever seen. Forget the talent that they've been blessed with, just in terms of mental toughness. What they showed in the Houston series to close without Durant, what they showed in Game 5 of the finals to come back in the last two and a half minutes of that game, what they showed in Game 6 when Klay Thompson got hurt and they were running on fumes uh, because of the injuries that they really had no business in being in that game. They had very few bodies who were really playable, and yet, with nine seconds left after a a great stop and a turnover that they forced, Curry got off a great look to win it. It didn't go in, but man, that is a mentally tough team. The core of Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green, and Andre Iguodala is one of the greatest cores in NBA history, and if Clay gets back to normal and Draymond Green uh, keeps up his good shape. They will be heard from again. This isn't the end of the Warriors. I mean, the league will probably reset itself a little bit just given how free agency is going to take place, but this isn't the end of the Golden State Warriors. I will say, though, that there was a, a little bit of a weirdness about these NBA Finals because two of the major offseason chess pieces in Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant could easily not be on their respective teams Um going into next NBA season, which brings us to the offseason, which it's not even July 1st when free agency officially starts, or I should say at night on June 30th, but the landscape has already shifted greatly. The biggest domino to fall this offseason was going to be Kevin Durant. His decision was going to dictate all the other moves. Kawhi is going to do what's best for him, But Durant was really the big chess piece that needed to move and was going to affect everything else. It was going to affect any Anthony Davis trade. More on this in a little bit. And every other guy was going to follow suit after Kevin Durant decided what he wanted to do. And there were major, and there are major names this offseason, uh, free agents such as Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, Tobias Harris, Chris Milton, Demarcus Cousins. So many quality guys, but Durant and Kawhi are the prizes. And Durant, missing all of next year with an Achilles injury, really screwed up a lot of teams' plans uh, and really shortened that list because, like my New York Knicks, teams were lining up for Durant plus another guy to bring them into the following season. But that window is now over. So that brings us to the biggest news so far of 
free, uh, I should say, the offseason, and the Lakers finally compete, completed their trade for Anthony Davis, which is surprising because, ugh, God. So here's the official trade between the Pelicans and the Lakers, um, which is actually a little surprising uh, because Gail Benson, the owner of the Pelicans, said that she wouldn't trade Davis to the Lakers over her dead body. But given the landscape of, of what's going on with uh, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard, as I just mentioned, and, you know, everybody has their price. And let me tell you, the Pelicans got a great price. So the um, Pelicans received the number four pick in this year's NBA draft, a top eight protected pick in 2021, which could become unprotected in uh, 2022, an unprotected pick swap in 2023, unprotected first in 2024, and an unprotected pick swap in 2025, along with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart, and the Lakers get Anthony Davis. Just an unbelievable haul for a guy who's going to be a free agent. Now, in all likelihood, Anthony Davis is going to sign with the Lakers, but that's an amazing, amazing haul by the Pelicans. And the Pelicans' fortunes all changed with uh, the lottery night, when they stumbled into and beat the odds, they stumbled on the ability to take Zion Williamson number one overall because that allows you to make this trade uh, easier because you have that franchise building block coming in in Zion Williamson. And in a sense, Anthony Davis requesting a trade last year and the awkwardness and them not playing uh, Anthony Davis all those minutes and all those games in a sense, help the Pelicans because the flattened lottery odds, they moved up and they beat the odds and got the number one pick. And now they have Zion and they're going to be able to do for Zion Williamson what they weren't able to do for Anthony Davis. Basically have young assets to grow and be super flexible and not rush things. And they're going to be a really, really fun team going forward. They are in tremendous shape and... Things could shake out. You hear that they may be interested in Washington's Bradley Beal for the right price. I think they should do it. Bradley Beal's an all-NBA caliber guard with, uh, he's tw I should say, he's 26 years old. I mean, that's a type of guy you can easily fit into this core for the next five years, given they have cap space. That's a nice team. As it stands right now, Zion, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, somebody who I'm higher on than most. Brandon Ingram, while I'm not super high on him, he's still 21 years old and has shown flashes. The Pelicans did really well here. As for the Lakers, I mean, they got lucky in a couple of senses. One, that Kevin Durant got hurt because if Kevin Durant got hurt, or I should say didn't get hurt, the Knicks would have been way more in the mix to mortgage a lot of their assets and future picks. Uh, and they would have been able to trade the number three pick, which is more valuable than the four pick, um, especially given this uh, draft class. They would have been more likely to go all in. But, you know, it broke right for the Lakers. The Lakers gave up a shit ton. But after the disaster that the Lakers were the last year and the last couple of years, like there wasn't a price high enough for the Lakers to pay. I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James are two of the 10 best players in the league. But And they'll have about $24, $25 million of cap space remaining. So we'll see if they can build out the roster. But they gave up a whole heck of a lot. And do you trust Rob Polinka after last offseason to be able to put together a supporting cast? I'm not so sure if I was a Laker fan I'd be willing to trust. But 
you have the two stars in place. There's a premium on all NBA level talent, and they have that. So uh, it was pretty much a win-win for both teams. Uh, but the Lakers are definitely exposed going forward. A couple of non-NBA draft-related predictions before we talk about, um, you know, go into the trade a little bit more and, and talk a little bit more about the draft. Uh, here are a couple of things I think are going to happen when uh, is all said and done. I think Kawhi Leonard is ultimately going to sign a one-plus-one contract with the Raptors, run it back another year, let the other contracts sort of you know, expire, and then he can do what he wants after next season. Uh, I know he's rumored to be talking to the Knicks. I mean, the Clippers are going to be in the mix heavy. I heard the Knicks. Um, the Lakers, not as much, but I do think he's going to sign a one-on-one and stay in Toronto. I do think now Kemba Walker is going to stay in Charlotte and and take the money. Um, if I had a backup plan for Kemba Walker, I think he ends up in New York City. I still think Kevin Durant, even if it's a redshirt year, ends up in New York City. Uh, the Knicks, where they are right now, you just you sign Kevin Durant you get him in the door because they're never going to have another opportunity to get a guy like that, a top 15 NBA player of all time, to get him in the door. And you just hope that, you know, he recovers modern science and, and take it from there. Uh, I do think Kyrie Irving is going to go to Brooklyn. I think he's just a weird guy. And and Brooklyn is, you know, just makes sense for Kyrie Irving. So, so far, even though we haven't gotten to free the start of free agency or the NBA draft yet, we have some clear winners and losers from the offseason so far. The winners are the Lakers. They got Anthony Davis. Uh, the Pelicans, I mentioned, did great in that trade. And all other Western Conference teams, now that the Warriors have had uh, a rash of injuries, the West is going to be wide open next year. The Nuggets, even Oklahoma City, uh, Portland, the Lakers, all these teams you can make a case for to come out of the West next year. It's going to be more wide open than it's ever been, given the injuries. Uh, the losers so far, the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics put together all this compilation of assets to pair Kyrie Irving with Anthony Davis. They were holding out for Anthony Davis, and Kyrie Irving sort of just torpedoed their plans with him acting exceedingly strange and not wanting to be there in all likelihood. So then because of that, they couldn't pull the trigger on a Jason Tatum trade for Anthony Davis and risk Anthony Davis just being a one-year rental. Because if Kyrie Irving was there, given their relationship, Davis would be more likely to stay. But that's not the case. Kyrie Irving's not there. Um... Anthony Davis won't be there, and now they're stuck with these draft assets that, you know, looked really good two years ago, and they don't look good as good now. And they could have made a play for Paul George and didn't. They could have made a play for Kawhi Leonard and didn't. And I'm on record on this show of saying when you get close enough, you pull the trigger. And they refused to pull the trigger and hold out, and it came back to bite them in the butt. Boston Celtics, clear loser right now. The Houston Rockets, the second clear loser. Um, There is a major rift between Chris Paul and James Harden that's coming out. Things are a disaster there. Chris Paul wants out. He's got a terrible contract. I don't know what they're going to be able to do. The Houston Rockets, which all the analytics nerds loved, you know, are, are in disarray. 
Mike D'Antoni is on thin ice as a coach there. The owner offered him a weird contract extension. So things are a disaster in Rockets land, and it, it brings joy to my heart because I can't stand the Houston Rockets. And lastly, the big loser of the NBA offseason so far, because of course, it is my New York Knicks. About a month ago, we had a pipe dream of Zion Williamson, Kevin Durant, and uh, either Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker. What happens? The Knicks, who had the worst record in the league, don't get the number one pick. They get three. So no Zion Williamson. Kevin Durant tears his ACL. So no KD plus one. And the Knicks plans... You know, for this monster offseason that easily could have happened and could have easily reversed the fortunes of this team just went up in smoke. Now, are they still in the running for Kevin Durant? Sure. I think they'll 1,000%—actually, I know for certainty that they will offer him the max contract even with the Achilles injury. And redshirt the year. But now it's a lot harder to convince a second big-time free agent, even with the $71 million in cap space they have, to come play alongside Kevin Durant and waste a year. It just sucks. It sucks being a Knicks fan. And even when they got the three pick, if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, they could have made a more aggressive play for Anthony Davis and then had him Durant plus another guy. And because of that one injury, it all went to absolute shit. So we'll see what happens now. There's still a flexibility. If they redshirt Durant, you know, be in the lottery again, get another top pick, roll your cap space over, you can do some things. But man, does this really, really hurt. It's just, it just stings. It stings, it hurts, and like always, the New York Knicks fans, we, we can't have nice things. I say this all the time. Being a Knicks fan is like having a terminal illness without a cure. And this was just another example that it is so incredibly rosy and it looks so incredibly promising and it just falls apart. Magically falls apart. And when I said on this show that you don't trade a guy like Kristaps Porzingis given how talented he is and given his age... And the fact that at his best, he can be a top 12, he's an all-NBA type player. You don't trade a guy like that for cap space. Well, that this is why. It's just miserable. So uh, with that being said, we're going to get into, we've uh, hopefully got two guests for tonight. And um, let's get into those uh, discussions. Okay, you know what it is. Uh with the big news of the Lakers getting their way and getting Anthony Davis, I'm sure you can expect uh, who the first get guest is for tonight. Mr. Uh, Rob Carpellis, the number one Laker and number one Kobe stan in America. What was your um, initial uh, initial thoughts when the trade went down? Um, a lot of wows. A lot of wows. Um... Obviously, anytime you see, you know, on your phone that your your favorite team has picked up uh, Anthony Davis, your first thought's always going to be excited. Um, 
you know, it's, it's hard to uh, not feel happy after your team does that. And then, of course, you look at, okay, what did, you know, what did we give up? It, the reporting was hinting at um, or was sort of leaning towards the fact that we were going to be giving away Lonzo and Ingram um, and keeping Kuzma, which I still don't fully understand. Um, but I was so when I saw that it was Lonzo and Ingram who we were giving up, as well as Josh Hart and a bunch of draft picks, I, I kind of expected it. Um, but even though I, I, you know, initially I wanted to keep one of those guys, either Lonzo or, or Ingram, because I think I think one of them, if not both of them, are going to be very good players, not superstar type level, but maybe fringe all star at some point. So whereas I think Kyle Kuzma will not be. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong, but so when I saw who they gave up in terms of current players, I expected it, even though I was a little bit disappointed that we gave up both Lonzo and, and Ingram. And then, of course, I think what everybody was sort of debating about afterwards was the amount of draft picks and the amount of first-round draft picks and for how long those extend for. So when I saw that, I thought, wow, we gave up a lot. Um and I get, I get the arguments on both sides, one being, like, what are, what are picks really? You know, the Lakers could draft for the next 10 years and not get a guy like Anthony Davis. And then the other side of the coin, which is, you know, if this doesn't work out, the Lakers are really in a bad spot because they have no picks and they don't have any assets. So I see both sides to it. It's a little bit scary. It's certainly somewhat risky. Um, and the Lakers could have waited, too. I mean, that's the third, the third part of this, right, is they could have waited but then you, you waste another year of LeBron and another year of rumors, and then you just let Anthony Davis come to your team, hoping that wherever he does get sent to, he won't be as happy as he would have been as a Laker. So there's all those sides to it, but I think at the end of the day, you know, I went back and forth on do we save, you know, the kids and then, you know, build around LeBron with the pieces that we have now? Um, or do we just go? Do we just say screw it and go all in on LeBron? And I think that it makes sense with LeBron being at 35 years old to to go all in. Either we're going all in or we're not. So I I, I would have tried to play a little bit more chess if I was Rob Polinka and maybe not tried to have give up given up as many picks. Um, but I also would have made the move too. So ultimately, I talked myself into it. We have Anthony Davis. I'm happy, and we're we're, we're title contenders, so there's not much more you could ask for as a fan. Okay, so there there are a lot of things to discuss about this trade. Um, get and I have a couple of thoughts, and you can tell me because uh, you're more plugged in with the Lakers. Obviously, tell me where where I'm wrong here. First, given the state of uneasiness and uh, and the state of you know, them just being a little bit of a disaster in terms of the front office. The Lakers weren't going to attract a major free agent. They needed to bring a guy in via trade uh, to take part of that cap space. Like, the free agency route just wasn't going to happen. Like, Kawhi was never going to really go there or isn't going to go there. Um, you know, Kyrie maybe... But they weren't going to get a guy because I don't think any agents are pushing their free agent players. I mean, aside for, you know, Rich Paul and Clutch for obvious reasons to go play with the Lakers in the dysfunction that was that 
front office. So that's number one. Number two was it can't be overstated just how much the Kevin Durant injury affected this. Because if, say, Kevin Durant is doesn't tear his Achilles and he signs the max with the Knicks, the Knicks could have gone into their chest. Now, maybe without the future picks, I don't know, but they got those two picks in the Porzingis trade. Given this NBA draft where there's a clear top three in a pecking order and number four becomes like kind of like a crapshoot after that, if the Knicks offered the three pick and and stuff, whatever that stuff is, they could have tra- they could have uh, topped the Lakers offer. So they needed to get lucky in that sense because with Durant having to miss all of next year, the Knicks really didn't have any incentive to do it, and the Celtics didn't have any incentive to pull the trigger because Kyrie Irving basically torpedoed the notion of the Anthony Davis Kyrie Irving pairing in Boston. So that's two. Now, three is, given that those two things happened, do you think, like, who are the Lakers bidding against? You mean in terms of, like, why did they give up so much because there's no other team that really had a shot at at Davis? I, I think the, like, I understand Ingram. Like, Ingram and Lonzo, to me, were the Lakers' best prospects. I mean, I still think Lonzo is... Is the best. I know I'm, I'm in a little bit of my minority here. Ingram has shown flashes of being able to score 20 points a game at 21 years old. Um, but the future pick swaps and the unprotected picks late, I just felt that that was unnecessary because they weren't bidding against anybody. Right. So I think there's, there's two sides of the coin here. One is Blinka got a little bit fleeced. Exactly you, 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 the way you outlined it was perfect. They weren't bidding against anybody else. Plinko got worked a little bit, and the Lakers gave up way too much, and they mortgaged not only some of the current that they have, but also the future. Everything is on the line here, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But the other part of it, and I, you know, I, I've, I've trashed Rob Polinko, the Lakers GM, more than anybody. But, you know, if you watch sort of like all the big reporters, especially Woj, and you watch ESPN and First Take and all those things, and you hear everybody else coming out, you know, Ramona Shelbourne and, and Wynn Horse and all those, you know, reporters who do this for a living, a lot of them, the way that they were reporting this in the last week and even the last six months, was it's a three- or four-team race. The Knicks are in it. The Celtics are in it. Lakers are in it. I even heard some stuff. I was hearing potentially the Nets. Um, they got rid of the you know, because they had – they had their, their one piece that they could potentially, you know, sign and trade was better than any of the pieces that any of the other teams had. Um, well, hold on. D'Angelo Russell was never coming back to the Lakers after what went down with him in the Lakers fine, the fine, first time. Fine, 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 fine. But my point is, is that from what was being reported, a lot of teams were in the mix, and maybe we got to give some credit to Polinka. Maybe Polinka did feel like, you know what, the only way I can pull this off is to sweeten the pot a little bit. And, you know, a lot of it, for all the slack that the Lakers have gotten, and I've been, I've been their biggest, um, I've been one of the, the, the people that's been giving them some of the most hate, they pulled this off. And the Lakers always find a, seemingly find a way, whoever 
rid of the GM somehow to get their guy. So you can look at it two ways. Like you outlined it, they were fleeced a little bit um, or a lot. Or, you know, for a three- or four-team race potentially, um, as big as a joke as they've been this year, they ended up getting their guy in the end. So hats off maybe, maybe hats off to Polinka. Well, I don't want to say that they were fleeced because they got Anthony Davis, who's a top six, seven player in the NBA, across the board. Um, and usually the team who gets the best player wins the deal. I mean, that's what history has shown. Um, 90% of the time, that's the case. And he's 26, and he's going into his prime, and he's awesome. And we've seen what he can do in the playoffs. You know, it, wasn't, it was just two years ago where he was a monster against Portland. I mean, the guy's an absolute all-star, you know, MVP-level player. I just... And I guess this comes to the question about Rob Polinka. And sometimes, you know, and it and given the state of free agency, it's really hard with tons of teams with cap space to lure uh, all NBA level talent. There's just too much. Teams are too smart now, and 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 you know everybody's gunning for these guys, so it's harder to land guys in free agency. So you, sometimes you just have to go out and trade and get them. And I and I I do concede that point, but now the tricky part happens because the Lakers, given who they have on their roster and given what the, um, what their cap is, they're going to have about $25 million to spend. So do you trust Rob Polinka after given last off season? Cause granted LeBron and Anthony Davis is a tremendous start. They actually complement each other very, very well. Do you trust Rob Polinka to be able to put role players around those guys and divvy up that cap space uh, after last offseason where he ended up with the likes of Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, Michael Beasley, Rajon Rondo, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope? Right. Well, that, I mean, that's uh, right. So the, there's two things. One, they're trying to make room to get over that, right, that $32.5 million mark to make room for a max trying to shop Wagner's contract and somebody else I was reading, I forgot. Um, yeah, so but at this point, hold on one second, but at this point, you don't think any team, no team is going to help the Lakers do this now, right? You realize that. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I, mean, I mean, they're not going to help them, but if it helps their case, then, then I mean, they should. I mean, they this whole, like, I know I'm going to be on the point, but this whole, like, team is not wanting to help the Lakers. Like, I mean, I... I believed it until, you know, the one team that we thought would never work with the Lakers against New Orleans just traded, you know, their best player to us. So, I mean, maybe, maybe not. But back to your question of do I trust Polinka? I think I trust Polinka to get players. The right players is another story. And I think that it really, from reading all of the stuff that I read this year and, and keeping a close eye on sort of the inner dealings of the Lakers, the one thing that I learned, is no one really knows who's running the show. And I think that maybe Polinka has a certain eye for a specific player he thinks will fit with the Lakers, but maybe LeBron weighs in or Rich Paul weighs in or Gene weighs in or the Bus brothers who are on the scouting team weigh in. So it's, it's not just Polinka who I'm worried about. I'm worried about everybody else who's sort of all the cooks in the Lakers' kitchen who are – trying to make an opinion on what the Lakers should do. And I don't do, I don't trust, um, I don't, I know this is sound funny or cheesy. I don't trust the process. 
and I don't really understand the process of how or who is making the decisions because I've seen for the past, I don't know, since, since Mitch Kupchak decided to give Luol Deng and Timothy Mozgov, um, you know, half of uh, Australia, uh, in terms of how much money he gave them. It was over $110 million between the two of right, them. Right, right. And since they've done that, it's been quite, the only non-questionable decision was LeBron James. Everybody else, if you line up, free agent pickups. So they've been great in the draft, but free agent pickups, one to whatever, in the last, you know, in, since the post-Kobe era, or even a little bit at the tail end of that era, has been a really, really bad bad pickup. And I know some of them are one-and-done one and deals. I know some of them are just for the vets' minimum to fill up the roster. I know some of it was out of you know, the Lakers' hands because of how much they gave Kobe and, and that type of thing. But it's um, it hasn't been very good. So I, I think it extends beyond Polinka. Hopefully, the guys that they pick up do complement LeBron and AD. Hopefully, it does come from extensive scouting that the Lakers have done. Hopefully, you know, Frank Vogel has a say because he's the guy that's managing this team and this roster, um, and hopefully they fit all the pieces that you know that that should, you know. Hopefully it's done the right way. Do I trust it? No, as of right now I don't. And I know that the Lakers are keen on always signing a guy who is. I, I think keeping Kuzma had something to do with the marketability of Kuzma over guys like like Lonzo Ball and um, and Brandon Ingram. So if that's the case. Um, no, I'm a little bit worried. So here's a list of guys who, divvying up that $25 million or so, uh, could be you know in the running. A couple of these guys. You have uh, J.J. Redick, Danny Green, Seth Curry. Um, guys, guys like that. Maybe Patrick Beverly. Uh, I think Malcolm Brogdon's going to be too expensive for them. Um you know, I don't think they're going to get a guy. They're not going to get a guy like Chris Middleton. Uh, Kawhi's not happening. I think Tobias Harris is too expensive. Um, but yeah, in a sense, I I think it it benefits the Lakers a little bit to be under the max threshold where they're not tempted by the max. Because if you saw what Toronto's formula was this, you know, just this past finals, not even a week ago, is it was centered around Kawhi Leonard and they had a lot of dudes who can play basketball. Yeah. And you don't and I think with the rising cap and and the stars taking the money, I mean, the Heat was an anomaly because those guys took discounts to play with each other. The Warriors was an anomaly because 10 million things had to happen. For, for that situation to unfold the way it did. Um, I, I think you want the depth and to to get a couple of guys. Now, listen, a start of LeBron and Anthony Davis is great, but you really have to nail the nail the picks now. Um, and uh, are you ready mentally for Carmelo Anthony to be a Laker on the vet minimum? I was going to say that's something no Laker fan wants. No Laker fan wants? You're not going to reunite the banana no. boat? No, no, that would be awful. Chris Paul or see if we start to go down that road, that's when like I can't. That's I can't take that. That's when my nerves are just too, because then it's it's to me it's like LeBron is running the show and the Lakers marketing department or AEG or whatever the hell they're freaking run by is running the show and we're trying to get big names and guys that suit LeBron and we're really building for like a year or two. What I what I'd like to see the Lakers do. If, there's two sides of this again. It's 
if you can get a guy like Kwai, if you can get a guy that extends beyond LeBron James to pair with Anthony Davis, and you think that guy can work as a max guy for the next four or five years or six years, whatever, with the team, then I think, like, why not go all in for that guy? Because then you could set yourself up, not just, you know, beyond LeBron. But if it's if it's not a guy like Kwai, and I don't really know who else fits that, you know, I mean, I, maybe Clay Thompson would have if he didn't get hurt, if that was actually a viable option. But outside of those guys, if it's just going to be a pickup like Jimmy Butler or Kemba. Well, Jimmy Butler and Kemba some, were getting max offers, so. Right. But, but if it's just that, I don't think it's worth it. Then I agree with you. I don't think it's worth it for the max. Then I think you try to go, you know, and get some, <clears throat> get some actual steps. But what I think it'll be is I think I think the Lakers will go. I think Jimmy Butler will come to the Lakers. That's what I think. So that's that, your call. The Lakers can somehow make. That's my call. That's my call. That's my feel. That's from what I've read. That's I think um, he fits. He fits the brand. If that makes sense. He's a big star name. He can score. He can he can play during the play. I think that's someone who LeBron will want. LeBron wants the ring, and. I think he's going to try to get it as quickly as he can. And I think he's going to try to push his way to get it. And I think Lakers will like the sound of a guy like Jimmy Butler. And that's where I think they'll go. If they were smart, they would look at some of those guys you mentioned, like Seth Curry or JJ Redick or some other shooters who can fill out that roster. Um, I go back and forth on a point guard because LeBron is kind of the point is a point guard. So maybe that's something you don't look for. Your um, boy Caruso. But, right. Eh, <laughs> Well, you know, somebody who's connect. Well, he could be good, but 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 you know what I mean. Like, I think realistically, the Lakers go after a big name. If not, then they try to fill out the roster with some depth. But I think the depth part is where they should be focusing. Um, but I don't think that's where they go. Again, I think they get Jimmy Butler. See, I think Jimmy Butler is going to re up with the Sixers because if this finals. Or I should say, these playoffs taught us anything. The Sixers are really, really close, and Jimmy Butler fits that team. Uh, they like him there, and the uh, the way he shows up in the playoffs. I think he's going to get the the five year boat from Philly. Uh, sure. I I think you know dudes like I think JJ Redick is is very much in play. I think maybe Pat Beverly is very much in play. You know, you have a nice start, but we'll see what happens with the. Um, you know, with what they do now, and and the thing is that they're just very exposed, and it, it's funny because, as I mentioned a little bit earlier on this show, that uh, the Pelicans now are giving Zion Williamson everything they didn't give Anthony Davis. Like, Dude, the, the Pelicans are going to be fantastic. Yeah. And if yeah. the Pelicans, and I was talking to some people today, if the Pelicans decide that they want to then trade Brandon Ingram, like hypothetically, because they were speaking about Bradley Beal. Uh, you know, I saw a couple of reports on Twitter. If they trade Ingram the four pick and something else for Bradley Beal, and they have a core of Zion, Beal, Drew Holiday, and Lonzo for the next three years, that's a real dangerous team. And the Lakers need to get this title thing done in the next two years. Like, that's your yeah. window. It's this year, which is a prime year to do it, given the injuries to Durant, Clay Thompson, the Warriors aren't the same, and next year because LeBron's creeping up in age. It's yeah. a two-year you window. Know, you know what's fun? I'll say. I'll say one thing about that. It's it's interesting because I have a lot of Laker friends 
who said the same thing, right? As long as we could just get one with LeBron and, you know, and to me, it's, I mean, that's what, that's, that's also one of the big things I like about Anthony Davis too. It's just, it's not just LeBron. It's, you've got a franchise guy potentially for the next 10 years. So if they can do something with what they currently have going to put themselves in a position to be good, even after LeBron leaves, I think that's the key because yeah, but they have no go, assets. They just traded all of them for Davis, right? Right, but maybe that's why you get. To, well, but, but I'm just thinking in terms of how they're going to tool this roster, or in terms of how that you don't want a situation. Here's what you don't want at the Lakers. Here's the scary part. What you don't want is they don't win the title. Okay, the next year or two, LeBron has an injury. LeBron starts to age. LeBron's starting to dip. Maybe he wants out when his contract is up or before. Or whatever it is, it just doesn't work out with this team. They get bounced in the playoffs, they lose in the finals, and then stuck with just Anthony Davis and a depleted roster with no assets, and then Anthony Davis wants out. Because there's no guarantee at, that any guy in the NBA is going to be loyal to any fan base or any team anymore. So that, to me, is the scary part, and that's the thing I think that the Lakers should have. You know, Laker fans, I go back to the statement about my friend saying, as long as we get one title, like, we're the Lakers. And we should always be thinking about multiple titles and always being in the driver's seat. We don't want what we had these last five or six years where statistically we're the worst team in the league because we got lucky. You know, LeBron was going to come here no matter what. The Anthony Davis trade seemed to fall into our lap a little bit. That might not always be the case. And while, yes, everything looks good on paper, we've got LeBron, we've got Anthony Davis, sure, we also got LeBron last year and didn't make the playoffs. And I'm hoping that this, you know, we're, we've been a joke the last five or six years. I hope that, you know, if something, you know, happened this year, we didn't make the playoffs or we got bounced out early, this could go really sour really fast. So, Well, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah. Um, I had to get your take on it. I know you got to go, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is uh, Rob Carpellis, uh, number one Laker fan. Um major guest of the program, major friend of the program. Always love talking to you, man, uh, and I'll uh, speak to you soon. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, that was a great conversation with uh, Rob. Always a pleasure to talk to him, but I had to bring on another New York sports fan who is depressed like me, given the state of what's gone down with the NBA and the offseason, how it's shaking out. Uh, Mr. Recurring Guest, someone who has just been uh, a first-time guest for Bucket Wednesdays, Mr. Shy Elberger. Shy, man. Oh, man. Nick <sighs> can't buy a break. Can't buy a goddamn break. I mean, what the hell happened? It's really crazy. Like, it seems like only a month or so ago, I was seeing Photoshop pictures of, like, Zion, AD, and Kyrie, and Nick's jerseys. Um, and just, I don't, I really don't know uh, which direction they're going to go in. I'm not, it's a tough decision. It really is. If but, you um, told me the worst-case scenario for, for this offseason... I wouldn't have even dreamed this scenario because it was predicated on an injury, and I don't wish for for injuries. But, I mean, right. this is even worse than we thought it was going to be. Right. I never thought the Durant's uh, cap injury, like I thought really worst-case scenario is he just is not able to respond for the, to the finals, um, and then he hits free agency and all, and pretty sure he's going to the Knicks. I never considered he would return – before it ended and then return and suffer a much, much worse injury. So that was just very upsetting. It 
completely hampered their ability to make a, a good offer for Anthony Davis because you can't sell Davis on staying as a free agent with Durant coming off an injury like that. You just can't and, right. and trade assets. It's just you could as I, as he went down in in game 5 i just i i had this pit in my stomach and and this is where we are yeah i i honestly the anthony davis uh aspect i really thought that was third likely out of him uh getting traded zion or the Knicks getting number 1 and durant coming to the Knicks i just never felt like the Knicks could offer what the Lakers could offer. Um, I know the Knicks have like these future picks coming up, but the Lakers had number four and just had all this young talent that was tradable. I never, I always thought the Lakers were going to be able to offer more. So I never thought seriously AD was coming. It was really for me like Zion, KD, and Kyrie. And if not Kyrie, then someone else. But or if not Zion, right? They got their picks or whatever. Still KD and Kyrie, KD and someone. Like, he was the centerpiece. So now that he's just out for the whole season, most likely, it is. it was just like, I feel bad for him. And, like, yeah, the Knicks, of course, classic Knicks, like, all season predicated on this one thing. And then it doesn't even get to not happen. It, like, kind of happens by itself without even the Knicks involvement. Okay, so before we get into what they're going to do in the draft, um, and I will say one thing about the uh, potential Davis trade. From everything I've read about this NBA draft, that there's a clear top three. So the value of the third pick versus the value of the the fourth pick was astronomical. There's a huge difference. Yeah, that's what... So uh, they could have packaged three and stuff, and if they really were intent on going all in because it's going to be Durant plus a guy like, say, Kemba Walker, and then you get Davis, and then all of a sudden you have a, a, a powerhouse, right? Yeah, right. I, I, they could have offered three, and then, like, whatever, very young talents, so Knox and Frank, and I know we discussed this in person, Mitchell Robinson. He would have gone. He would have gone, and I really would like to keep him, and I'm happy that it seems like they are keeping him. I, I feel like he can be a special center. So, obviously, AD is special. Um, so that, I mean, you're not getting nothing in return. But I'm, like, I would, I didn't want them to, like, gut their whole team for just AD, especially if KD was not going to be able to play next year. Sure. It was, like, once that happens, I'm almost, like, you know, AD is not, like, the healthiest player either. You know, it's, he gets injured, it seems like, every game. Um, and then always returns somehow. But, um, yeah, I just... They said it was the top three, so it wasn't all bad that the Knicks got three. But like, once it once the during the lottery and it got to the top three, I really thought, being that it was between the Knicks, Grizzlies, and Pelicans, like the odds were so far in the Knicks' favor. Um, like, I really just thought Zion was coming. We were gonna have you know ten years of Zion dunking, uh, you know, boom shakalaka, all that stuff with Kyrie or whoever, and. Then it's just like, whatever, they got three. But now I'm even seeing more than three players. There's uh, the Vanderbilt guard. Garland. Uh, they just scheduled, yeah, Garland I work out with. Um, yeah, they just scheduled him for today. And we're going to get into the draft in a second. But the one question I really wanted to ask you is this. with In regards to Durant, what's your stance on offering him the max? 
uh, with, with red shirting a year because you know they're going to do it. You're convinced the Knicks will offer the max to him? I am 1,000% convinced that they're going to offer it. Okay, then I wonder, I wonder if he'll take it. I, my opinion is, as I like, as much as I think Durant is awesome, if this was a torn ACL, I would say yes. It this the the torn Achilles for me is like the clear career threatener in in basketball and football. I just there are just really not examples of players who tear their Achilles and come back and perform at as well a level. And so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Durant comes back and he's just like 20-point-per-game guy, but he's not Kevin Durant. So does he, could he come back? I guess, yes, it's possible, and I'm rooting for him to come back to being a superstar. But he's, you know, he's going to be 32. He has a lot of gains on his body, and it's just like this injury just is like it saps your explosiveness. It's just very difficult to come back from. So would I do it? It really depends on the other free agents who, you know, who are the substitutes. Is it don't go kick for KD, just don't really go for anyone, kind of have another year of building your young players and then getting another top eight pick and then having all the cap space next year? Um, do you go for, like, uh, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris? No, no. No, no, right. It's nothing, it's nothing sounds, it's like KD was the perfect thing that was going to happen. And now it's like, I wish Ka uh, Kawhi would consider New York, but he's too smart for that. Um, I heard BJ like, Armstrong say that the Knicks will are, you know, that they're in the mix, that they're going to get a meeting. I don't buy it. KD and Kawhi are the prizes. After that, everything else is secondary. And if you're the I, Knicks who built all this treasure chest of, uh, of cap space, you have to roll it over. If you don't use it on Durant and someone else, then, yeah, you probably roll it over. Like, all, another option, would you go, like, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle route? Two very young, very high-ceiling players. Um, and, like, do you go that route, maybe? Do they fit in with the team that you'll have? Uh, it's, like, a totally different route than the win next year with Durant and Kyrie. Um, yeah. So it's just... I don't know. My money, I feel like Kawhi's going to go to the Clippers or stay with the Raptors. If the Knicks get a meeting, it's out of respect. Um, I, but, I agree. I, I think Kawhi's going to sign the one-and-one -one with the Raptors and then figure it out next year. Um, really? So yeah. he'll return for one more year with the Raptors? Yeah, because the contracts line up with, you know, Lowry's contract, Gasol's contract, Ibaka's contract, that, you know, you take one more, one more crack at it. If it if you don't win, then you go somewhere else. The Raptors tear the whole thing down. They still have young players like Van Vliet and Siakam and right. Ananobi, and they're in a good spot. But what would I do if I'm the Knicks? Yeah. I do the red shirt with Durant. And sign someone else as well, or just so Durant? I would be I would be okay with them signing D'Angelo Russell. I right. don't necessarily love Julius Randle with the amount of money he's going to command. Um, my, my thinking is, is that the Knicks, given where they are in the state of the franchise, they're never going to be in a position to get a top 15 NBA player again. A guy who, while he's a really good at great athlete, he is so incredibly skilled and his game isn't necessarily predicated on supreme athleticism that you take the risk. 
I, I don't see any other choice. The, the sad thing is he's probably a top three NBA player if he's you know, fully healthy. Um, so I don't know, is his ceiling then top 15 post, post this injury? And if so, if he's the 15th best player, are you giving him the max deal? I guess you are. Yeah, you are. And and I said it when they traded Porzingis. This is the this is why when I didn't love the trade then, and I warmed up to it a little bit more considering, you know, a couple a little bit of news with him and they got some future picks and whatever. But you don't right. trade all NBA caliber talent at that age for cap space. Here's the question. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Because just a lot of things can go wrong. And the worst right. case scenario just happened. Yeah. Uh, the question is, what would you trade now for Porzingis? <laughs> it would be fun to have him back at least next year. I, I'd offer him $30 million a year. That's for certain. Oh, yeah. it, it, what is, is he tied to the Mavs next year? Do they have to sign him? I think he's, he's restricted. I'm, I'm not sure what the rules are, but I think they're going to offer him a huge deal. But anyway, moving you know, to the draft. So what do you think yeah. the Knicks do in the draft? Uh, they're at number three. Obviously, you've heard a lot of rumors about maybe the Pelicans moving up from four to two uh, to potentially take R.J. Barrett. I heard that. I heard the Knicks turned down offers to move um, back from the Hawks to get eight and ten. What, what do you think the Knicks are going to do with the number three pick uh, this Thursday? I definitely agree with them in declining a trade of the third pick for Correct. eighth and yes. ten. Uh, they didn't suck all year to get the eighth and tenth pick. Correct. Uh, if they had a healthy, if they had a healthy Durant and they're filling just out the roster, I could understand. Right, right. Um, I mean, it's it's always hard to predict if the tr- if a trade is actually going to happen. If no trade happens, I'll just go with the what, what the what people are saying, and that is. Jaw to the Grizzlies, and then the Knicks take R.J. Barrett. I didn't really see anything other than R.J. Barrett to the Knicks, honestly, until this news of the workout for Garland. So if they, maybe there's someone in their room who really likes him more, and, and I have a friend who went to Vanderbilt who is pretty high on Garland also, obviously only played a few games, but was hot, highly touted coming out of high school and played well in those five games. Um, for me... It's kind of like, I don't know who's like, you know, Knox. I don't know if Knox was going to be good or not. And we still don't know if Knox is going to be good or not. It's always hard to tell with these just, you know, athletic guys from college who's going to end up doing well in the NBA or not. Um, If the Pelicans were to trade from four to two to take R.J. Barrett, I would think the Knicks would have to take Ja. Oh, yeah, Um, for sure. You have to. And and if they didn't take him and still took R.J. Barrett, that would just mean that they loved R.J. Barrett. Um, which is kind of similar to like if the if the Giants had Josh Allen or Daniel Jones and they took Jones, it would just they love Daniel Jones, but I don't need to go there right now. Well, um, well, okay, so that was the last thing. So we before we go move on to the last thing because I wanted to check in with you about the Giants before we 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 wrap up. Uh, so you think it's uh, R.J. Barrett? Yes, I do. I agree with you. So yeah, I just hope I hope the Knicks don't end up taking some, which this can never happen. It seems like some weird international guy who ends up being like Greg Ostertag or someone. I just don't think that guy is is available. They pick like Bull Bull, who I guess some people are high on, but I feel like there's no way he'd be good. No, Uh, please no, please no. 
I know. I trust the, the Knicks guys more than, than previously. So checking it, I wanted to check in with you about the Giants real quick. Where are you at with the Giants? Um, we have we haven't spoken, you know, on this show since the draft. Um, yeah. Where are you at with them right now? Uh, so I feel like for any NFL team, the summer is where you're the most optimistic, and I will never, probably never, get over it that they traded Odell, and it makes me incredibly sad. Um, and there's not really a but or however to that sentence. I, I think it was, I just, I can't believe they did it and they should not have. I have no choice but to be once again, optimistic going into the season. Why? Am I, do I think, do I literally think they're going to be a Super Bowl team or make the playoffs? No, I'm realistic. They're probably not going to make the playoffs, but given that the giants are like 99.99% of my fanhood, I can't live a life where I'm just pessimistic going into the season because then I'm just in a bad mood for 12 months. So I will be optimistic. <laughs> I didn't like the Daniel Jones pick, obviously. Um, no one did. But I have to admit, I've read all the practice reports every day, every different person. Everyone says he looks good. Obviously, this is non-padded practice. It doesn't mean anything. But to date, it's been impressive. If it had been like he's throwing six picks a day and he looked completely lost, then I would probably still be moping around. But I will just hold on to the hope that Daniel Jones surprises everybody and becomes good. And I don't know. The Giants have a lot of young players, drafted players. I just I'm gonna root for them and hope that they perform well. And I, you know, if the Giants start one and three, one and four, yeah, I'll be like, all right, we're going to have another one of those seasons. If they start two and two, three and three, three and two, something like that, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be into it. And obviously, Saquon, please, please do not get injured. He will be very exciting to watch this year. So that, that at least is a, a, you know, a draw for me. So we spoke about the Odell trade in, in, at nauseum the last time I had you on the show. Um, Here's where I think, you know, where I'm at on Daniel Jones. Now, if he becomes great, I mean, you got your guy and that's it. But the role of a general manager is to read the room when it comes to the draft and know the value of certain guys in relation to other guys, right? In relation to other teams. So even if you love Daniel Jones, you knew you have to have the pulse of all the other teams and general managers. And there was no other team who was going to take Daniel Jones before the 17th pick when the Giants had their second first round pick. So you can't reach for a guy at 17. And I get what you're saying that if you finally like a quarterback, given where they are with the quarterback, that you just go for it. But you could have gotten that guy who you liked at 17, and then you could have gotten a defensive monster at 6. It's not maximizing the value of the pick, and it drives me crazy because they didn't maximize Odell's value. They don't do anything right. They – okay, yes. Obviously, if there was a 100% certainty that a team – was going to pick. If you did the draft in your head somehow before it happened and you saw that 
Daniel Jones was available at 17, then you obviously would not take him at six. If you're 95% sure that Daniel Jones is going to be there at 17, but he's the quarterback you want to have on your team, and there's a 5% chance that he goes before then, someone could, like, there are just possibilities. The crazier things have happened. In fact, I would have said if Daniel Jones and Josh Allen were both there, there's probably a 95% chance they go Josh Allen. And I would have been wrong. So it very well likely could have, he could have been there at 17. But he may not have been there. And so I, I don't have an issue with them, if them liking him with so much conviction that they took him at six. It's almost like if they had taken him at 17 and he was there, yes, awesome, you have Josh Allen and Daniel Jones. And at the same time, I had read an article about um, second picks in the first round when their quarterbacks have basically none of them have ever panned out. Um, It's not the biggest sample size, but it happens. Uh, I think Manziel was one. There's a few others. The Browns have a few of them. Um, And it's just like it's because it's usually a guy who the team doesn't love or they would have taken him with their first first round pick. But it's a guy that they kind of like and now he's there for them. So they take him. Yeah, but I never subscribed to that because I I just think overreaching for a quarterback can be just as bad, if not worse, than than it could be. If if he sucks because you're now invested that high pick and he's a quarterback, so you're basically going to go at least two or probably three seasons before bailing on him if he's not good. So hold on, okay. So that brings me to my last my last question because I know we got to wrap up soon. I think yep. they're going to be horrific this year. Absolutely horrific. horrific. Two wins, four wins. I think they'll be in the running for a, another top three or four pick. And okay. it could easily be one. Okay. Given the state of the quarterback draft next year, if they get the number one pick, do yeah. they take? Uh, do they take a quarterback like – Tua or from or one of those guys, or are they they going to stay the course? Because that was the other argument. Given Eli's contract, this being the last year, just ride it out and wait till next year. I I, I will say to answer that question, if the Giants have anywhere close to the first pick, even top five, let's say, that would mean they had five wins or fewer. If that is the case, that they have a season like that, I would have to think Daniel Jones is playing around six games. I don't like, you know, basing a big decision on a six-game sample size, but I would think if he bombed for those six games, they would have to consider a quarterback early. If he showed potential, then you now have the confidence. You had conviction in him and you drafted him. He just played in six games as a rookie, and he looked pretty competent. We do not need to take a quarterback next year, even if they're more highly rated. Right. And probably are taking them the best non-quarterback in the draft or trading for a boatload, although we know Gettleman doesn't know what that word means. Um, no, so no, he does not. Take the best, uh, you know, the best player. But that is that is too far from now. I don't have – there's not enough uh, – I got to root for this season first. All right, everybody. Well, uh, Shai Elberger, recurring guest, uh, thanks so much for coming on. I know this was a little sad. Uh, this was kind of like a therapy session, but it needed to needed to happen. Always, uh, yeah. 
Always appreciate it's gonna be, it. It's, it's, it's really going to be fascinating to see what the Knicks do. I, I don't uh, know which way they're going to go. Uh, I, the fact of the matter is, is that if you told me, and I'll, and I'll end on this, that if you can guarantee this, and I don't think this is going to happen, if you can guarantee a redshirt year with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson taking the two max slots, full boat, I would sign up in a heartbeat. Yeah, that would wow, Clay and KD, that would be fun. We'd it's get not going to happen because Clay's going to get the five year from Golden State. But if you told me right now that you're yeah. throwing away an entire season with Kevin Durant and Clay coming back from injuries, pretty big injuries, I would do it. And it wouldn't even be throwing away the season because you'd be getting another great experience year for Mitchell Robinson and Knox and hopefully Frank and Trier and like build up those young guys and then compliment KD and Clay. That would be that would be funny. It'd be like the Warriors East. Yeah, but then again, you'll also be committing seventy million dollars to two guys who yeah. won't play next year on coming back. Uh, it, it's just it's just sad times. This was like a therapy session that needed to be happen that needed to happen, but. God, it's the worst. All right, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really. But as always, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the insight, and uh, hopefully, I'll see you uh, at Bucket Wednesday sometime again soon. All right. Yeah. Hopefully, let me know. All right, dude. I'll speak to you. All right, bye. All right. Bye. All right. Let's finish up. Oof. Okay, uh, thanks to my two guests, Rob Carpellis and Shai Elberger. Great stuff as always. Uh, just a quick note on the NBA draft because I didn't really get heavy into the prospects. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it seems to be that everybody's saying that it's a three-person draft, that there's the tier one of Zion Williamson, who's a lock to be really awesome. Then there's the next two guys, John ja Morant and R.J. Barrett, and then it drops off after that. Um, what happens with the four pick is going to determine, uh, the way, the way the draft goes. I mean, no one really knows right now. Right now you see Jared Culver's name from Texas Tech, maybe Darius Garland from Vanderbilt, maybe DeAndre Hunter from Virginia. I mean, New Orleans wants to trade the pick. Could they trade it in a package for Bradley Beal? Could they move back? Who knows? Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a wild ride. Um, and yeah, but that uh, the NBA draft is exciting. Uh, and But wanted to at least mention that before we uh, ended tonight's show. Take us out. Drake. What's the move? Can I tell Trophies ain't no envelopes to open, I just do
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.